We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Yeah, I mean, that means a lot, of course. I mean, just to have this opportunity in front of me uh, means everything to me. But I think all the all of my work is ahead of me. And I know this is only, this is only the beginning. And I know I have a, a lot of work in front of me. And that's what I'm kind of focused on right now. There he is, Sam Howell, your QB1 to start the 2023 season. When did QB1 become a replacement for starting quarterback? Uh, I like starting quarterback. I don't like QB1. But I said QB1. Um, I don't know when that happened, but a lot of people say QB1. Uh, starting quarterback, QB1, same thing. I guess starting quarterback has more syllables. I think it does. QB1, three. Starting quarterback, five. Uh, starting quarterback, Sam Howell, after Ron Rivera had made the official announcement, not a surprise, that Sam Howell would start the season as the QB1 for the Washington Commanders. Uh, Lots coming up on that. J.P. Finley is going to join us on the show today. And stay tuned for the end of the show. Uh, I found something on Twitter that happened 50 years ago today, uh, and the Washington Redskins were involved. Uh, That'll be at the very end of the show today. The show today is brought to you by MyBookie. Football is back, and so is winning season at MyBookie. NFL, college football, and a brand-new cash-out system give you options to bet and win all season long. You hit the first two legs of your parlay, cash out early and use the funds on another bet or let it ride for the chance at a bigger payday. Use early cash outs as a tool to stay in control of the action at MyBookie. Now you just can go to mybookie.ag right now and sign up for free. But when you decide to make your first deposit, Use my promo code KevinDC to grab a welcome bonus on the house. That's promo code KevinDC to claim your deposit and for a limited time, a free chip to use in the MyBookie online casino. You can get you can bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie, uh, but use my promo code when you get there. Now, I have not updated you on the MyBookie over-under number for Washington in a while, uh, it is still six and a half. 
six and a half is the season win total for the over-under at my bookie. The under, you have to pay minus 121. The over is even money. So they're actually incenting you to bet or incentivizing you um, to bet the over. Uh, So under is going to cost you a little bit more. So they're expecting a little bit more action on the under. Uh, So Washington's at six and a half. By the way, their week one opponent, the Arizona Cardinals, have the lowest regular season uh, over-under total of four and a half. Uh, By the way, they're also at minus 121 on the under and even money uh, on the over. Uh, The week one line for that game, Washington minus six in the total, 39 and a half at my bookie. Uh, Just a quick reminder to rate us and review us wherever you can. Subscribe to the podcast. That helps us a lot. And follow us uh, on Apple and Spotify. That's a big deal for us, as is rating and reviewing at Apple in particular. You can give us five stars. That's always appreciated if you see fit. And just a quick one to two sentence review is helpful. Like the latest review we got from Raleigh, five stars. Love Kevin and his insight, exclamation point. Thank you. Um, You can write whatever you want. Uh, It can be really brief, but... The ratings and reviews are really important, as is following us and subscribing to the podcast as well. So, uh, not a surprise that Ron Rivera uh, announced it. In fact, I think I suggested yesterday that it would happen um, this morning. Um, I think the question here, for us anyway, and there are other questions to ask, and I'll save some of those for J.P. Finley in the next segment, in the next segment, but is to just consider this opportunity for Sam and how long he gets that opportunity to prove that he's worth investing more time. Look, it is just a reality in the NFL that higher-drafted players get more of a chance and players drafted in later, in later rounds get less of a chance. But in this situation... It's not like he's in there at the expense of, you know, a younger player that was higher drafted or even a big time veteran uh, option. You know, we know why he was labeled QB1, uh, air quotes, by Ron Rivera right after the season ended. It certainly seemed to be the convenient and, you know, wise PR thing to do because the season had ended in such ugly fashion with the loss to Cleveland and the head coach not even knowing that his team could be eliminated from the postseason at the end of that day. They also knew that with the ownership thing going on, they weren't going to be able to pursue a big-time quarterback like they had the previous two years, Matt Stafford in 2021 and Russell Wilson in 2022. But... um I think the question that is an interesting one, in part because I think a lot of you are going to disagree with me, um, and that is how long does Sam Howell have to prove that he's worth continuing to invest time in? How long is his leash? I put out a poll on Twitter, or my show did on radio today, And as I'm sitting here, 72% of the people said he should get all 17 games. I mean, that's amazing to me. 
Um, I will give you my answer in a moment, but there are a couple of ways to look at this from Ron Rivera's standpoint, from Eric Bieniemy's standpoint, and then I'm going to give you from my perspective. You know, Ron needs to win this year. You know, it's playoffs or bust more likely than not for Ron Rivera, and probably he'll need a playoff win. So if Sam isn't projecting to be a guy that is worth investing in, say, after four weeks of the season, like it's not obvious that, hey, this may be a project, but there is major, major bright light at the end of this tunnel because this guy is showing us some stuff. You know, does Ron bail? Does he decide to punch out and say, wait a minute, we've got a pretty good football team I'm paying $8 million a year for a safety net with Jacoby Brissett. Uh, Let's go be competitive for the final 13 weeks of the season. Because I can't go out, you know, 4-13 and with a guy that isn't projecting to be a starting quarterback in the future in Sam Howell. So Ron's got his perspective, right? He's got to win. Unless you subscribe to the theory that Ron is kind of one foot in and one foot out right now. Like he's got a foot out the door because he kind of realizes that, hey, he's had a nice run as a head coach in the NFL. He's made a lot of money doing it, made a lot of money here in Washington. If he doesn't get the fifth year, he's still going to be paid for it. There's new ownership, which automatically puts him on the hot seat unless you are, you know, a bona fide, you know, big time elite head coach, which he's not. I think he's somewhere in the middle. I don't think he's near the bottom like a lot of you do. Ron Rivera is a respected NFL head coach. He's been around for a while. But um, if you subscribe to the theory that maybe he's okay with the career coming to an end, maybe he just relies on Eric Bieniemy to make the decision. But that's where you get to an interesting situation as well, right? Because Eric Bieniemy. This is what I've come up with, and maybe you have another path to him continuing to be, you know, thought of as a potential head coach somewhere down the road. But I think one of two things needs to happen for Eric Bieniemy this year. The first uh, I'll get to is, you know, deals with Sam Howell. Like, if there is clear evidence at the end of the season, and it is obvious to everybody that has watched with their own two eyes that Sam Howell has a bright future, even if the team's record isn't that good, then everybody is going to give Eric Bieniemy all of the credit for that or a lot of the credit for that. If Sam Howell progresses and develops into a, a guy at the end of the year that we all believe and everybody believes by watching him, it may not even be reflected in overall you know, season statistics, because maybe he really comes on at the end of the year. It may not be reflected in the team's record, but everybody that's watched knows, yeah, there is something to this guy, and what a great job in developing him during the course of the year. Biennemi wins if that happens. The other way Biennemi wins is if the offense is significantly improved from where it's been recently, regardless of which quarterback leads it. This offense has been substandard for five-plus years. If Biennemi comes in and this offense improves to, say, top half of the league, he's going to get much of the credit for that. And by the way, 
if we all assume what we've assumed all along, and that is that this team's pretty good with the exception of the question mark at quarterback and the question mark, you know, also at the offensive line, but that the defense is exceptional, then uh, an improved offense, a significantly improved offense, is likely going to lead to more wins, you know, and playoff contention. So Eric Bieniemy wins by developing a young quarterback, regardless of the team's record, into something at the end of the year that everybody believes has a future as a top half of the league starter. Even if he's not there yet, he's trending towards that. Or he benefits from an offense improving significantly, regardless of the quarterback, uh, and it leads to a competitive football team and maybe even a playoff football team. Because I think if they have an improved, a significantly improved offense, I think they're going to be, you know, in that nine win area and a potential wild card team. I don't see them as a better team than Philadelphia. And I'm not even sure about Dallas or the Giants. I actually, in some ways, I actually have more faith in the Giants because of Dable, I guess, versus McCarthy. Um, but those are the two ways Bienemy wins. And then we get to sort of how we feel. And I'll speak for myself. I'm not giving Sam Howe a, a long leash, like a season-long leash. That doesn't make any sense to me. But I do acknowledge that there is subjectivity to this conversation. Because if you are a believer in Sam Howe, like you've been a believer in Sam Howe going back to North Carolina, then your mindset is they've made the right call, they're going to be proven right by this call, just be patient with them, and it'll pay off. I don't feel that way. I have no idea what Sam Howe's going to become. None. And so I'm not of the mindset of giving him 17 games. You know, if I see with my own eyes... And I believe, like, there's a strong lean that, uh-oh, this guy just doesn't have it. You know, if he had been a first-round pick, I'm going to invest more time. Like, with Dwayne Haskins, I was willing to give him 17 games in 2020 and wanted him to get 17 games because they had picked him very high. Also, let's keep in mind that that particular season, they didn't have a good team. So it wasn't going to be a team that contended for, you know, even a, a seven seed. So, you know, I wanted to see him. And by the way, they didn't have anything else, you know, on the team in 2020. I mean, it was, it was what's-his-face from Carolina that they had uh, traded a, a fifth-round pick for. So um, I'm not giving him a season-long leash. Now, my guess is that he's not going to stink it up so badly in the first four to five or six games. So I'll probably be in there saying, yeah, let's continue with this thing. Let's see a little bit more. Let's see a little bit more. But I really don't know. It is possible that he goes out and he throws three picks and fumbles once in the game against Arizona and they lose. And then doesn't really improve from that point forward. And four weeks into the season, they're like one and three or oh and four and you're like, uh-uh, he just doesn't have it. And maybe that's too quick to pull the trigger. But 
you know, I'll point to something I've pointed to before, and I'm going to use I'm going to use Ben's numbers for this. Ben Standig's numbers from a story that he wrote two or three months ago when he did the research for basically a 12 year span between 2010 and 2021. That's 12 seasons. Um, during that span, 74 quarterbacks were taken on day three of the draft. So the fourth, fifth, or uh, sixth or seventh rounds. Six of those 74 started more than 11 games, just six. And only three have turned out to be steady starting quarterbacks. And really, I would say two of the three, Kirk Cousins and Dak Prescott. Um, The other uh, was Tyrod Taylor, and he has started more than 11 games. I I don't know that you'd call him a steady QB1 or starting quarterback. Um, none of those 74, by the way, were named a year two week one starter with only one start the season before. Let me say that again. None of the 74 drafted, uh, in the rounds four through seven from 2010 through 2021 started week one of their second season with only one start in their rookie year until now. Enter Sam Howell. Uh, Look, it's not even relevant, the draft status, anymore. I mean, the only thing it's ever been relevant for, and I've brought it up a lot, okay, if you're saying that to yourself right now, well, you brought it up a lot. I brought it up just to describe, use it as a way to describe the long-shot nature of a fifth-round quarterback becoming a franchise kind of quarterback, becoming a even a starting quarterback, a steady starting quarterback. I mean, really, it's just Prescott and Cousins during that period of time. Now, Brock Purdy looks like he's headed towards that, but these are needles in a haystack. And I just have used, you know, I, I did something all the way back to 2000. Ben, you know, summed up the last 74 before the 22 and 20 before the 22 draft with Purdy and you know these are long shot odds which you know isn't the only reason it's not the only reason like look the reason that some of these quarterbacks you could say and I think fairly so that so few day 3 quarterbacks turned into starting quarterbacks is you could say they didn't get fair shots like because of their draft status they never got the opportunities That is probably true for some of them. But in most cases, they just weren't good enough. And the teams decided they weren't going to waste their time. With Sam Howell, look, the situation they're in, which is having a veteran high-end backup, low-end starter, um, but not a, a future franchise answer, in Jacoby Brissett, I don't think, you know, like there's another needle in a haystack, which is Geno Smith. You know, could Jacoby Brissett become the second Geno Smith in back-to-back years? It's possible, just like it's possible Sam Howell could be a, a steady starting quarterback in the NFL, but the odds are stacked heavily against it. For Sam, bottom line is, I'm not going to move on from Sam if they're not winning games or even if statistically he's struggling. I expect it to be very up and down for him. Uh, I'm I'm not going to pull, if I, I say me, I don't have the ability to, but 
I'm not going to advocate that they pull his starting job from him just based on record or stats. It's got to be, it's now obvious that he's not a future big-time NFL starter. He's not a future steady starter in the NFL. You know, how quickly could that come? I don't know, four to six weeks, somewhere in that range. You know, maybe it's half the season. Um, but if you, if they have a strong suspicion early enough in the season that, yeah, this is a long-term project with probably not a happy ending, and they've got a good football team, then they may decide to go to Brissett. But that's, to me, an interesting conversation right now. But look, there will be so much context week in and week out, out around his performance, and we'll be here week by week. Uh, to discuss it uh, and analyze it uh, and have people uh, that are really good at analyzing the quarterback position uh, analyze it. Some of you, by the way, when we were having this conversation on radio earlier today, just said, look, the bottom line is the fact that Ron named him the starting quarterback means that the lease should be very short because he hasn't been right about anybody. That is true at that position, but... He did move on from, from Dwayne Haskins, God rest his soul, very quickly when it became apparent that the rest of the team didn't want to have you know, Dwayne as the starting quarterback. Um, and, uh, yeah, the other choices were kind of made for him by injury. Um, but um, we'll see. Uh, I think it's interesting. The, 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 the Rivera agenda, the Biennemi motivation, and then – you know, I personally am not up just for giving Sam 17 games. Um, some of you uh, have the idea that, look, give him 17 because even if he stinks, then we'll get a higher draft choice. I'm just not a big believer that this team can tank out at like or bottom out at like three or four wins, which is the only way you get Caleb Williams or Drake May. But, you know, there's a lot of time between now and the draft, and those things will change as well. All right, J.P. Finley joins me next, right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This segment of the show brought to you by our good friends at Shelley's Back Room, 1331 F Street Northwest in D.C. Fall will be here before you know it. Washington business 
it heats up when the weather gets cool. And Shelly's Back Room is one of those places where people gather to do business, seal deals, and do it with a celebratory cigar. Whether it's two people or a group event. Shelly's is available, by the way, to host large gatherings of up to 250 people. We had that with Tommy's event back in the spring. From cocktail receptions to sit-down dinners, Shelly's provides custom menu options to suit your needs and budget. To find out how, go to Shelly'sBackroom.com. All right, let's welcome on to the podcast. It's been a while, but J.P. Finley is with us right now. And, of course, J.P. does a radio show with Brian Mitchell on 106.7 The Fan. He's got his podcast with his guys, Mitch and Pete, called Beltway Football. You get that anywhere you get a podcast. And he does television work, of course, for Channel 4. You can follow J.P. on Twitter at J.P. Finley NBCS. All right, so um, today, obviously, we weren't surprised uh, by the news that Ron Rivera uh, gave all of us, that Sam Howell is going to be the starting quarterback when the season begins against Arizona. What I wanted to ask you, J.P., because you've been out there a ton going back to you know OTAs, minicamps, et cetera, and the easiest way to ask you this is, you know, did Sam earn it or was he just handed the job? Maybe both. Um, I, I think the only way he would have really lost it is if he was terrible and he was, that was never the case. I also, I, I think perhaps, maybe because it's a D.C. thing, I don't know, but like the idea of Jacoby Brissett, I think, got a little bit romanticized. Um, there was never a moment where you watch Jacoby play, and you're like, oh, he's got to be out there. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't um, – I think Sam is certainly the higher-ceiling player when you watch the two of them. Um, I, he's been pretty good. And then all the off-field kind of maturity, confidence, poise stuff, he's got it in buckets. So I, I don't think this was ever – I don't think this was ever really a debate. And I think they saw everything they needed to from Sam. And one thing I said throughout the offseason was something that stood out to me for Al last year was if you go watch the tape from week three of the preseason last year against the Ravens, he was bad, man. His footwork was bad. His eyes didn't stay downfield. Now, I know there was some encouraging stuff in there. And fans got excited because he ran around and the stats look okay. But, like, that wasn't NFL quarterbacking. And then if you – Fast forward to the last game of the season, week 18, he showed significant development over that period of time. And that is what I thought was the most exciting thing, is this is a guy that clearly, like, learns and can implement, you know, what he's learning. And I think we've seen that still, like, growth and development. And I I think, you know, he was never really pushed, I don't think. Calling it a competition is the silly thing that Ron does every year. But Sam has earned the job at the same time. Yeah, and I think you said something at one point there. Like, he didn't do anything to alarm them. And and that really was the right. only possibility of it turning into any level of debate was for him to really scare them or alarm them. And those two days in Baltimore, you know, we pointed to those all off season, all of us did, as, you know, kind of the 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 hurdle for him to clear. And it certainly felt like, and you were there, but listening to everybody talk about it, 
he cleared the hurdle easily. Totally. There was never a, oh, man, Sam threw. I mean, we had these moments with Wentz last year, too. There was never a, oh, boy, Sam has thrown three interceptions in the last seven passes in a goal line drill. You know, or, or dude, Powell fumbled two snaps in the last ten minutes to practice. Like, there was, there was never that. And that's not to suggest that there may not be rough games this fall, because there certainly might be. But it, I... I always thought for him to actually lose his job, he would have to like barf on his shoes, and you never saw any of that. He he has looked poised throughout and good most of the time. You know, I had um I had Logan on the radio show today, and Logan was around for 2015, and I remember um, Jay telling me this and. Um, and Sean's, you know, mentioned the same thing before, and Mike always told a, a lot of us this, and that is, look, you can't fool the players, and if you try to fool the players, that's when the problems start, and ultimately, that was the issue in 2015. It was, it was over for RG3 as far as the locker room was concerned, and everybody knew, you know, Kirk was the guy that gave him the best chance. So we clearly know that there are no, you know, that the, the team feels comfortable. They say it over and over again. But I want you to give everybody a sense of, you know, how confident the team is in Sam and then what kind of guy Sam is with the other players as a leader, as a locker room guy, as a worker, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, you're so right about that. And, and even two more recent examples in the Rivera era. One, Ron made the right call. One, he didn't. But when he benched Haskins in 20, he's right. like, hey, I got 52 other guys in this locker room. And, but last year, dude, you saw the reverse. When he went back to Carson week 17, that, that team came out flat as hell. And it's because they knew the wrong guy was starting at quarterback. I, I will never believe otherwise. Uh, all right, so... What, is Sam the guy now? Is it legit? I say unequivocally yes. The dudes in that locker room are in on this. The, the, the young players, the veterans, they all believe in Howell. I, I truly believe it. I, I think you heard it last year in the locker room, not, not with mics and cameras on, but you heard it, that there were guys on the defense that thought the way he was running the scout team offense was some of the best work they were getting in practice. And there were receivers that loved the way he threw the ball. So this is not a divided, you know, there's, there's some veterans in the corner that want it to be Brissett. It, it, it's just not the case. What, how nobody's Heineke from like a personality standpoint, just because Sam is a little more introverted. Right. But he still has kind of the swagger and the confidence and the cool factor you want your young quarterback to have. And then he's got. Look, I, I talked about this in the open of the, of the pod, and and that is, there are you know there are motivations with Ron and with Eric, and they may align in spots, and they may not align in others, and it all leads to the question of kind of how long will the leash for Sam Howell be? Um, 
I put a poll out there. It's like 75% of the people think it should be the entire season. I don't, but what do you think? Um, I think at least, I'd almost say till Thanksgiving, honestly. Um, but it, it, I, maybe not the whole season, because I do think if you get 12 games in, you, you probably know. But one thing Beamish always says to me, and I think this is real, and I think you can go back and look at certainly QBs in D.C., but all over the league. Right now, I mean, there's zero tape of him, because even the tape that exists is in the Turner system. It's going to look totally different this year. I think you've got to let him perform for a month, and then defenses are going to start adjusting to him. And, and once we're five, six weeks in, and now defenses are playing specific to Howell's tendencies, that's when we're really going to know. And and I think, I do think, kind of your point about Ron and the enemy, there's, there's like divergent paths on what they're trying to accomplish this year. Are they trying to be a playoff team no matter what? Are they trying to develop a young quarterback? Because those things aren't probably aren't parallel, right? Like, those things are probably intersecting with one another. And I think that's like an organizational question that, you know, the timing of the sale kind of hindered. Um, because does Ron, have the, does Ron have the leash to have another non-playoff year but to take lumps with a, a young quarterback with new ownership? I don't know that answer. Uh, but it's, it's going to be, I, I think, at least till Thanksgiving. Uh, but... I said this on the radio. I'm curious what you think. There's a famous Supreme Court justice when he was asked about pornography, and his answer's like, I don't yeah. know how to define it, but I know it when I see it. Yeah. And I think, I think that's it. Like, you have the smell test. This is all eye test this year. We're going to know, watching, if this is a young quarterback taking important steps in development or if this is a guy that doesn't have it. And... I, I think eight, nine games in, you kind of know, and especially this isn't a terrible team. A lot of these young quarterbacks get thrown onto terrible teams, and it's unfair to to really judge them. This team is probably pretty good. It, it is possible that the offensive line is is so underwhelming that we don't get a real chance to evaluate Sam, but I'm guessing they're going to be Maybe not great, but decent enough that we can at least get some idea. And then you'd hope schematically that the enemy could kind of overcome or or get Powell moving enough. When they go with the quick stuff, I think the line can help them to run their quick game. And if Howell's effective there, that is huge for his development. And then you, you really start to wonder how much further can you progress. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's kind of what I said. I didn't use the pornography um, analogy, but it's actually a good one. Remember, you know, there are lots of genres uh, uh, in that particular um, conversation. So I don't, I don't know what would, you know, what what kind of genre uh, we would categorize or use as a, as the category of, oh, that's the dude. He is something else. We know it. We've seen it. It's probably more about hardcore or softcore. Maybe that's the way to go. With it but um but here's the but i'm but i'm with you because but this is why i think that it's nuts to suggest that you would just give him 17 games because it's very possible after 
I don't know, four to six of them, um, you know, probably more six, that you may have this sense that this is a major project and there's no guarantee it's going to produce something special. And with that, you know, then the team starts to feel it and you've got a good team. And and then you get into the, the motivations like Rivera's probably got to win. Biennemi's got to do one of two things, JP. I described it as he's either got to develop a quarterback so at the end of the year it's, hey, we know it when we see it. And by the way, how about that Eric Bieniemy in developing this guy? This guy's got a future, regardless of what the record is. Or he's got to have an offense that is significantly better than the offense that we've seen, um, regardless of which quarterback uh, it's with or which combination of quarterbacks it's with. Either way, Biennemi wins, but he's got to get one of those two things at the end of the year. We have to say, great job with a young quarterback. We've got a future with Sam Howell. Or, wow, the offense jumped from pretty dismal into the top half of the league. And by the way, if that happens, they probably won nine or ten games. I completely agree. I think Biennemi... However he landed here, he landed here. And it's such a unique situation where there are multiple avenues for him, and I would even say for Ron, to say this season was a success. And let's, dude, because we saw this two years ago. 2020, they had a really good defensive year. They played a bunch of bad quarterbacks. 21, they took a big step back defensively. They played a bunch of good quarterbacks. Last year, strong defensive performance, bad quarterbacks. This year, at least on 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 the schedule, they're going to face good quarterbacks again. Let's say the defense takes a big step back, but Howell proves he's the guy. That might be enough, certainly, to keep the enemy his job. might be enough to get the enemy promoted, frankly, but there's also this path where Ron is like, yeah, I told you this was my guy. We're going to work out the defensive stuff. you got to let me keep pushing. So I, I think well, I asked Ron this morning, you know, because he talked about the need to discuss the, the decision with the enemy and with Savita Pritchard, who I don't know if you've talked to him, Kevin, is a super impressive young guy. He reminds me when you talk to him about, uh, he reminds me of Kevin O'Connell. Um, but Ron said, yeah, we had real discussions understanding kind of the magnitude and importance of, the, of what a young franchise quarterback could be. I, I do think they're looking at the decision here kind of holistic, like like across everything and not just a we got to go we got to be four and two our first six games or we're getting canned like I think they have the big picture in mind yeah look that's fine um and maybe they both win by keeping the big picture in mind as long as the big picture produces something at the end of the year where we all look at it and we know exactly what it is and that is he looks like an NFL starting quarterback. Great job. Because yep. if, if he yep. doesn't and they keep moving forward with it and it doesn't show that, well, then you could look back and say, man, you wasted a team. You wasted a season with a pretty good team. You should have made a move earlier. Look, there's so much context to all of this, and we're going to be able to watch it week in and week out. And by the way, injuries are always a a possibility as well uh, in this conversation. Um, J.P. Finley is joining us. So let's talk about the rest of the team. Um, 
you know, you just threw out the scenario that nobody will throw out, which is what if the defense isn't very good? Uh, it's possible because this it happens more often with defenses in terms of the predictability uh, year to year. But I really think this defense has a chance to be the best we've seen, uh, I don't know, in 20 years, or 2005 at least. Last year's was since 2005. What would derail it? I mean, injuries, right? But that's Other than that, yeah. But yeah, okay. Um, what could derail it if – uh, I mean, the linebacker play has question marks, but honestly, they just don't play that many linebackers. And I kind of think Jamin Davis was pretty good the last month of, of last year. I, I think Davis degraded harshly because he's kind of said dumb stuff and done dumb stuff with the speeding and was a first-round pick. Um, but what could derail it if, if, if you don't get a jump in production from Sweat and Young and then all of a sudden uh, forces look great? But if Forbes is this kind of ball hawk guy that's willing to take some risks and we learn the difference between the NFL and the SEC and all of a sudden he's giving up big plays, um, you know, one thing people really need to be cognizant of is two years ago they were 31st in the NFL in third down defense, forcing punts, 31st in the NFL. Last year they were first. To me, that suggests that the reality is probably somewhere in the middle. Um, and maybe their offense can help them a lot if the offense stays on the field more. But I, I, some, of the, some of the volatile statistics, like defensive statistics, tend to fluctuate tremendously. And, and I would not expect first in the NFL in turn down defense again. Um, and they're clearly trying to generate more turnovers. But they also offensively had a ton of fumble luck of recovering their own fumbles, and that's hard to sustain. So, you know, I think you're going to see some regression defensively, statistically, definitely on third down. If they go back-to-back top third-down defense in the NFL, I'll buy a new golf shirt. Yeah, I mean, there is actually some consistent, not with them. Um, not, you know, they were 31st the year before. Not only were they first last year, they were first by a lot. But teams that right. have been good on third down, see the Ravens, see the Bills in recent years, there is some consistency with that. So I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Look, the, the, the defense last year never had the opportunity, what many great defenses have, and that is at least a couple games playing with a two-score lead where the other team is pressing a little bit and you can really get after it. And in some cases, that may have led to the low takeaway um, number because they've been low in takeaways, very low for two straight years, and really for like four out of the last five, they've been pretty low on on that number. So, um, And I know that's one of the reasons you know Forbes was the pick. Uh, but yeah, if, if they're that good on third down and they increase their takeaways – this is not just a top 10 defense. It's probably closer to a top five defense. I just think talent-wise, there are maybe five or six, seven teams with more overall talent. And that's about it on defense. Straight defensively, yeah. I, I wonder if offensively we overstate the talent at times because it's right. like the skill position guys. But see, a lot. I mean, I like the backs, right? But... 
people get so excited about the running backs, and, and I think they're good, but I think they're I, I'm not even sure they're top ten in the NFL at, at Burkback. Um, the tight ends are really tall, and there's a lot of potential there. But especially with this lingering thing with Logan, I think losing Armani Rogers is, is a big deal. Um, the, the receiver position, you've got two really good ones. I think Dotson's going to have a monster year. But, like, the depth of wide receiver, I, I, you know, is their sixth wide out significantly better than another, you know, than Dallas's or something? Defensively, I do think they have elite talent. I think, I don't know that my second round pick would have been Quan Martin. I think they should have addressed O line earlier, but they, like, the offensive line and your secondary, you need depth because you play at least five and often six, seven guys in a game. You need depth, and I think they have it in the secondary. I, I think the two D tackles. As far as a duo in the NFL with Allen and Payne, I, I mean they might, they're among, they're among the league's best, if not the best. Yeah. Uh, you sure hope Young and Sweat take a step forward. They have real talent defensively. The kid Andre Jones is turning heads, man. It's been fun to watch him too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Doc, Doc, and I were talking about him a couple of days ago. Um, <laughs> I said to him, I go, you know, he looks doesn't look like a defensive end because he's very tall and he's very um, what's the word I used? I think I used angular. And I said he looks like Daniil Hunter. And Doc said, yeah, great comparison. Of course, you know all of Kirk's teammates, which which just was pretty funny um, and might be true actually. Uh, you know, you made a, a really That's good point. You, you made a really good point because we do get carried away with something. I don't think we're getting carried away with the pair of defensive tackles. I think Tart and Simmons are the only other two kind of inside guys, you know, um, that that kind of compare as a tandem to Allen and Payne. I'm sorry. The Giants pair is pretty good too. A hundred percent, and and by the, there there are a couple of other uh, other teams too. But uh, the Giant, I mean, look, I mean, Dexter Lawrence is one of the best in the league. Um, right. And, but you're at a, you're at a point where you're splitting hairs because yeah. you're talking about three or four teams with elite D tackle play, and but, the, the, the Skins are one. Of them. But when you said like, I think, I think our audience gets really excited about the wide receivers and and by the way Terry and Jahan are really good I think Jahan actually has the bigger kind of ceiling but you know this is a position that's loaded around the league like nobody in their right mind would say well I'll take our group over Jamar Chase T Higgins and Tyler Boyd you know or or by the way hate to say this give me AJ Brown over anybody we have uh, along with, yeah. with with Devontae Smith, the guys in Miami, Hill and Waddle. Um, you know who am I forgetting? Uh, I mean, there. You know, yeah, think yeah. about that next weight class up of Justin Jefferson. You know what I mean? There, there's yeah, there are Devontae Adams. There's guys that are more elite too. Sure, Diggs. Uh, you know Hill. Um, I mean, whatever you want to call Debo Samuel, he'd be the best player offensively on our team. I really believe that. Um, you know Seattle with uh, with with the um, the Ohio State receiver Metcalf and Lockett, yeah. So I mean they're just a. It's one of those positions that's incredibly loaded. I mean it's almost the era of the great wideout. And by the way, the great wideout groups. Uh, but anyway, um, 
I actually like the running back uh, group. No, not top 10, but I've seen them ranked near the bottom of the league. I like the running backs here. What do you th- like? How do you think it shakes out? Like in terms of the who plays and when? Um, I mean, roster spots. I would say Robinson, Gibson, Rodriguez. Certainly. Um, I don't know that. I kind of think. I kind of think they're going to keep Alex Arma, who can play fullback or tight end for you. Um, if you look at EB's offenses in Kansas City and. You can say it's Andy's offense. You can say whatever you want, but they run a ton of multi-tight end sets. They led the NFL at 13 personnel, and I think that loss of Armani Rogers really hurts. So if you're talking Logan, Cole Turner, Curtis Hodges, they like Arma. I mean, look at make a point Monday night of watching how often Alex Arma's on the field. Yeah. I, I think they sneak attack him onto the roster. Um, I think it's bad news for guys that I like. I Jonathan Williams, Jared Patterson, Derek Gore, a guy they signed recently. Uh, I think um, I, I think it's I, the, I think the safest way to look at it is um, I've told the numbers before. Look at the last six, maybe eight games of last season for Kansas City. The splits between Pacheco and Jet McKinnon. Yeah, and not that it's a not that it's a apples to apples cup, but you know McKinnon Gibson sure looks like he can fill that role. Now McKinnon is a a really willing and capable pass blocker, and Gibson has been fine, but not necessarily great in that capacity. Um, and then Pacheco's such a violent downhill runner. Robinson has looked better. Shock, you know, shocker. He hasn't been like last year. He got shot, and it impacted him. Um, so I, I and I, I think we underestimate what they'll do with Robinson in the past game. I think he's going to be more of a factor there than folks are expecting. Um, but in, in general, I think uh, it's a it's, it's at least a baseline cop. But the key, the reason I say the last six eight games is because Clyde Edwards Hilaire was involved early on last year, and his his usage kind of waned. Pacheco was dealing with an injury early on, and his usage like accelerated towards the end of the regular season and then the playoffs. And I think that's kind of your best snapshot of what they're going to try to replicate. You know, you you mentioned Alex Arma, and we've talked a little bit about him. So, you know, he's not going to be a Kyle Usechek kind of a guy. I mean, he's not going to be a guy that catches a bunch of passes off play action and boots, you know, like they run in San Francisco. And in, in, in Kansas City, like the guy Blake Bell and the guy Burton, they used occasionally as a fullback, but not a lot. Like I, I went back and, and looked at sort of the snap counts and, and the touches. I mean, they, they don't have a fullback in the traditional sense or even in the sense like a San Francisco did. But maybe it's something no. maybe it's something the enemy believes in. Well, I, I think most people, like nobody – Kyle Shanahan has basically written a dissertation about how he feels about the fullback right. position, right? I mean, yeah. he's given these long soliloquies about how it forces the defense to adjust to the offense and blah, 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 and it's, it's really intriguing, and I tend to agree with that on, on principle. The, the read system hasn't – nobody's going to have a use check role in their offense outside of maybe McVay. But I, I think you see a little more fullback than we have, which is basically not at all since Bill Callahan was here. 
And I think they view Arma as maybe their third tight end in a yeah, lot of ways. Right. Um, so I, I, as far as touches and like any of that, I, 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 I keep your expectations next to minimal. I just think there's a roster spot for him. Although he was, I made some preseason predictions, and my one of my calls was that Arma will score a preseason touchdown. So. We'll see if that comes true. Well, you got two chances left. Speaking of that, uh, did, have they discussed what the plan is for Monday night? It just it's it's remarkable to me. Like last night, Deshaun Watson didn't play. Jalen Hurts hasn't taken a snap yet. It just seems teams are are basically erring on the side of caution much more so than ever before. Um, what do you think we're going to see Monday night, starters wise? Rod said, "Yeah, Rod said Sam will play." Definitively, um, he didn't provide you know anything beyond that. I I still think they're going to play about the first half. I, I think they're going to get real work, and I, I don't know what Baltimore is going to do, um, but I, I'd expect to see about. Now, some of it depends on there's like the really good version of events or the really bad version of events. If if the offense looks really good, say they have two drives and they score a, a touchdown and a field goal, I think they'll be done. But if the, if then the flip side of that is if the offense looks quite bad and the line can't protect Sam, call it quits because there's no point in taking, taking the licks in August. Right. Um, but as long, as long as there's like a middle track there where they're not, you know, the greatest show on turf and it's not Carson Wentz last year against the Eagles, I think you see about a half. All right, I'm going to finish up with just a couple of quick, um, you know, prediction questions for you. All right, Kaz Allen, does he make the team, and is he the returner? I was told by somebody over there they saw more than they expected in the Cleveland game, particularly what they what they were most curious about. They know he's an electric player with the ball in his hands, but they needed him to catch it clean. Was the phrase I was told. And they were they were more impressed than they expected, especially in the rain in Cleveland. What kind of season does Chase Young have? Man, I don't know. I prior to this Stinger thing, I would have said I thought he looked great, explosive, head in the right place. Um, I do think there's a level of I'll show you after not picking up the option, uh, but. I, I, Sometimes you wonder with Chase. Now he's got the stinger. He's missing time. Like, is it just, is it just one of these things where it, it's nothing? It like you ever date a girl in college or something, and and it should go so well, but it's always just like the timing's a little off or whatever, and it's just not meant to be. You, you just that thought creeps in your mind, man. Joey Sly will be the kicker for this team this year, right? I think so. I don't know so, but I think so. And then lastly, give – I've asked everybody this uh, over the last week, week and a half. Give everybody kind of a guess on a player either side of the ball that's going to contribute a lot more than most people think right now. Oh, okay. Either side of the ball, a player that will contribute more than we think. Um, Percy Butler, dude, has been pretty impressive and – Del Rio has a type where he gets kind of this young, wiry, hard hit.
hitting safeties. And, and uh, I think Butler's in that mold. And we saw Curl obviously break through on a major way. I'm not calling anybody else Cam. Um, and then Derek Forrest last year, I, I think, really pushed through. Butler's had a great camp. And, um, you know, we saw him grab the pick against Cleveland. And, and I think he's told me um, in interviews that last year it, just, it felt like his head was spinning a lot. And he says it doesn't feel like that anymore, that he's able to just play rather than think. And, and I think that might that might be a part of, of his acceleration um, this fall. Thank you, as always. Uh, I know we um, have a golf outing at some point here in the next few weeks. we got to get it done before we get really into the season. So I will, I will touch base with you on that. You, you know what you would have enjoyed? What? Uh, Thursday night in Cleveland. I don't know how we all ended up at this bar. I'm gonna I'm gonna blame CJ. In Shaker we were Heights, in this, like yeah, in Shaker Heights. I heard. No, I thought we were. No, no, no. That was they got. I had to work on Friday. They oh, had okay. to do that. I'm oh, saying, oh, that's right. London and CJ right. played golf in Shaker Heights. Right. Okay. What are you talking but about? Thursday night, Thursday night, we had a lot of fun. And Friday at the stadium, CJ's like, "Yo, we got to finish that conversation." And I was like, about what? He's like, you don't remember? I was like, nope. He's like, okay, great. So that, it was your kind of night, Kev. You would have enjoyed it. <laughs> I don't know about that. Usually, I mean, it's been a long time since I, I've woken up the next morning and had to try to find my car. Um, that, that was a long time ago. All right, good job. Appreciate it as that, always. That I got Uber. <laughs> yeah, okay, exactly. All right, I'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it. No problem. See you later. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply. This final segment of the show brought to you by the Circa Million and the Circa Survivor Pools out in Vegas. Uh, look, even if you don't get out to Vegas and have a chance to sign up for either one of these pools, the next time you're in Vegas, if you're planning a trip maybe in the fall for a football weekend, you've got to check out the Circa Sportsbook. Uh, that swim stadium, uh, the pictures don't do it justice. Uh, it is... An unbelievable scene and setup. 4,000 it holds with lots of pools and one of the biggest HD screens you've ever seen. All outdoors. Imagine in the fall when the weather's actually really nice 
in Vegas uh, being there for it. But the Circa Million and the Circa Survivor Pools are the biggest in Vegas. And I was out there recently. I signed up for both of them. The Circa Million, you pick five teams against the spread every week. $6 million in guaranteed prizes. Uh, and at the end of it, the person with the best overall record is going to take home a million bucks. The top 100 pays out, and they've got quarterly uh, and season-long prizes to go with all of that. Uh, the Circus Survivor Pool guaranteed $8 million to the winner or winners. If you don't know what a Survivor Pool is, you pick one team straight up every week, no spread, uh, just to win. If that team loses or ties, you're out. If that team wins, you advance to the next week, but you can only pick the same team once each season. But at the end of it, uh, those standing will either split or take home the whole prize of $8 million. $14 million in guaranteed prizes, no rake. So if the entries go above the guarantee, all the extra money will go into the prize pool. Uh, The last day for entry into either pool is September 9th at 2 p.m. That's the Saturday before the first uh, NFL Sunday of the year. You must register at a circus sportsbook in Nevada. Weekly picks can be made from anywhere. So I have an NFL nugget uh, and then a couple of stories that broke today. And then I want to end the show with um, something that you've got to be a certain age to remember. Um, But I will uh, end the show with a discussion of that, plus the highlight of one of his plays uh, in his uh, brief career here in Washington. But anyway, the nugget I have is from last night's preseason game between the Browns and the Eagles. It was the only game last night. I didn't watch much of it at all. But the game started with Cleveland forcing a safety to take a 2 to nothing lead against the Eagles. Kenneth Gainwell was tackled in the end zone, and Cleveland had a 2 to nothing lead. Why is that a nugget? Well, think back to last week against Washington. First score of the game, we get Andrew Wiley called for holding in the end zone. Cleveland takes a 2 to nothing lead. I would bet in the era of modern football that has never happened. Whether it was regular season or preseason, back-to-back weeks where the first score by the same team was a safety to take a 2 to nothing lead. Uh, some news from today. Jadavian Clowney signs a one-year deal with the Ravens. So the Ravens, that may be the one area of their team that they're unsure of, which is pass rush. I think their defense should be pretty good, but you know, having a big-time pass rush. But I have no idea what you're going to get from Clowney. He's getting a one-year $6 million deal from the Ravens. He had that really good year in 2021 in Cleveland where he had nine sacks, but really three of his last four years have been – for the most part, unproductive because of missed games due to injury. You know, after his career in Houston, um, he went to Seattle in 2019. He had three sacks in 13 games. He did have four forced fumbles and an interception. Like, he can make some plays. 
But, you know, the last three years, you had zero sacks in eight games with Tennessee in 2020, the COVID year. In 2021, he had a decent year, had nine sacks with the Browns in 14 games, and then last year with Cleveland, injured uh, two sacks total, one forced fumble. So I don't know what you're going to get from Jadavian Clowney, who, by the way, now is 30 years old. You know, the first pick in the overall 2014 NFL draft, I mean, three-time Pro Bowler, um, uh, in the NFL, had that incredible, you know, bowl game blow up of the Michigan running back um, uh, when he was with South Carolina. But Jadavian Clowney signs a one-year deal with the Ravens, and then the other NFL story from today. And I don't know how closely some of you followed this, but Brian Gutenkunst, we know his name from the last few years, the Packers GM, says that David Bakhtiari is not getting traded. The Jets have issues along their offensive line, and there was a lot of reporting earlier in the week that David Bakhtiari, the outstanding tackle for the Packers during the Aaron Rodgers uh, era, uh, was going to get traded to the Jets. You know, the Jets have some cap space because Aaron Rodgers took a $35 million you know, pay cut uh, to clear up space. But Gutenkunst uh, today said no. He was emphatic about not trading Bakhtiari. And it's funny because I said the other day, whether it was on the podcast or the radio show, why would they trade him? The Packers actually think that they've got a decent team. And I think there is optimism about Jordan Love. We'll try to get Zabe on before the regular season begins because he's, you know, a big Milwaukee and Packers guy. Um, but, you know, Jordan Love, if he can play, they do have a good team. They certainly have an excellent defense. But with a young quarterback, why would you trade, you know, debatably your best offensive lineman? Um, and they're not going to do that. So I want to finish up the show with this. Uh, I saw this tweet earlier today. It was from Kevin on Twitter, um, who tweeted out 50 years ago today, 50 years ago today in 1973, the Bills opened up brand new Rich Stadium to a packed house of 80,020 on a Friday evening in Orchard Park, New York. Prior to kickoff, Washington's recently signed running back, former Cowboy Dwayne Thomas, turned away during the national anthem, prompting an explosive wave of heckling and hurled projectiles from fans. Later, Thomas ultimately ends up needing to be restrained from going into the stands. Now, first of all, that became, on the day it opened, the biggest stadium in the NFL. And for years, Orchard Park in New York, Rich Stadium, was the biggest stadium in the NFL. But here's what I remembered, and I saw this as one of the responses to this tweet. And I remembered it, and then I wasn't exactly sure. Maybe it could have been the next year, but I thought it was Buffalo, and I thought it was the opening night of Rich Stadium. That night, that preseason game, shortly after, I guess, Dwayne Thomas going up into nearly going up into the stands, needing to be restrained from people heckling and hurling projectiles at him for turning his uh, uh, turning away during the national anthem, Herb Mulkey returned the opening kickoff for a touchdown. I think it was like a hundred 
yards. The very first play ever in that stadium was a Redskin kickoff returner who, by the way, made the Washington Redskins team coached by George Allen, who had Marv Levy, who would eventually become the Buffalo Bills head coach, as the special teams coach, the first ever special teams coach, by the way, in the NFL. George Allen was an innovator, all right, and basically invented the nickel defense. Uh, and it was the first to really emphasize special teams and hired a specific person to be the special teams coach. But Herb Mulkey, who won his position on the team through, I think it was a public tryout, returned the opening kickoff. I'm pretty sure it was 100 yards for a touchdown. That was the first play ever at that stadium. They're building a new stadium, but that stadium for 50 years has stood as one of the, you know, super, you know, electric environments in the NFL. I mean, when the Bills have been great, that stadium's been awesome. Um, all right, so I'm going to leave you with this. I could not find that kickoff return anywhere on YouTube, but I did find a game that year in 1973 against the St. Louis Cardinals. It was the second week of the season, and the Cardinals had a kickoff return for a touchdown in the fourth quarter to take a 31-17 lead. On the ensuing kickoff, Herb Mulkey returned a kickoff 97 yards for a touchdown. I don't think it's the only time it's happened in NFL history, but I think at the time it was the first time it had happened uh, and the only time at that point where you had back-to-back kickoff returns for a touchdown. But I found the NFL Films highlight with Tom Brookshire uh, sort of narrating the Herb Mulkey kickoff return uh, for a score in that game. Washington lost that game um, 34-27. to uh, and uh, they were 10.5-point favorites over the Cardinals that day per pro football reference. Uh, but I'll leave you with that highlight, NFL film style. I'll be back on Monday. We'll preview the Washington-Baltimore preseason game Monday night. Have a good weekend. But then what had been a good game became a great one as number 24 Don Shy went coast-to-coast coast 97 yards. Guys, flashing feet made it 31-17. Cardinals, halfway through the fourth quarter. Not to be outdone on the very next kickoff, the Redskins, Herb Mulkey, number 28, went 97 yards himself. And there's no question that the man is one midnight flyer and a game breaker. But last Sunday, it was not to be. Jim Hart and the Cardinals were cool to the very end when they drove to add a field goal, which put 34 points on the board for them. For the stunned Redskins and Sonny Jurgensen, it was a war party they had never expected to meet. And their 27 points, which would have won for them normally, was the low side of one of the year's best games to date. 
sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.